0: So let's get this started. Then, <laughs> welcome everybody to the Strategy Show. This is part three of our interview with Douglas Ferguson from Voltage Control. This time, we are going to deep dive into how storytelling can enhance innovation. Hi, Douglas, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Oh, fine, thanks. So, what can we learn from narratives and innovation?
1: So, let me me start with a little story. So, um, early on in voltage control, as we were starting to bring workshops and like design sprints and other innovation workshops into uh, corporates, um, I had a CEO uh, purchase a design sprint, and, and um, he wasn't able to attend the design sprint. He uh, found a, he had another decider, so his product manager was deciding. And, um, and the sprint went well, and they had um, gained a lot of insights and were kind of looking at how they would apply those insights and um, iterate on the prototype. And um, so I was, I was pleased. And uh, when, I, when I caught up with the CEO, I asked him if he had a, had, a, had a opportunity to talk to the team and, and uh, what they were uh, what they were saying, and um, and they said yeah I, I ran into uh, to Robert and at the water cooler on on uh, Monday and and he said uh, he said they they had a blast it was it was a um, a lot of energy in the room and um, and and uh, they were um, you know super positive and, and things felt good and my heart sank <laughs> because uh, all that um, amazing work and these insights we had uncovered about the clients and none of that was conveyed to the CEO. Um, it, it, and, and that's what happens when we don't prepare a narrative, we don't have something rehearsed and ready to, to, um, to, to use, then we just go to an emotional space. Especially when we've done something like um, like that—that that is fun and energizing—then that's that's what we're going to, to um, easily fall back on, and uh, when we don't have something um, pre- prescribed and prepared and, and, and rehearsed, and so uh, so it's really critical uh, that we end workshops and and think about our en- innovation architecture or trajectory in a way that we can kind of share this consistent narrative and um, so we always end workshops now with a narrative building ac- exercise and um, and ideally creating some accountability around that and so uh, we might have like an accountability buddy that's that, that you're, you're gonna agree to meet up with afterwards and um, and uh, at the very least there's a social accountability building by going around and building the narrative and talking about what's uh, what's important for us to do next and and who is who's agreeing to what and that and that work that we're doing is is a final um, point of alignment because especially in a design sprint we start off the week uh, getting into heavy heavy alignment um, and making and that's really critical so that we our purpose is clear and we're on the same trajectory. Well, now that we've landed the plane. How do we get to um, a high degree of confidence around our alignment to make sure we're still really crisp on that? And so uh, it's not only uh, beneficial that we've rehearsed and prepared something that we, we can we can uh, be ready to use when, when, the, when the time comes up. It's also uh, really helpful that we're consistent. So if we've got to this uh, high degree of alignment and we go out into, um, the the business we return to our um, our teams and we're sharing the same narrative telling the same story then the rest of the organization will perceive a sense of cohesiveness versus if we are out there saying slightly different things even if they sound similar there it might breed some confusion or some concern um, there might be um, you know it might just seem like you know uh, there's a lack of um continuity and you know is this is this this team know what they're doing is it because it it doesn't sound very clear so we were all in the same meeting we want to make sure it sounds like we were in the same meeting
0: i'm intrigued by this idea Uh, i was thinking of a series of situation where i think that the power of the moment is lost because we didn't write it down or because we don't have it right here, right now. So for example, we did our Vision 2023 now in December. So for the listeners, it's, it's January 2020 right now. So uh, we did this Vision of where are we in three years and um, we, we, we made it like, like a movie. It's, it's a nine pages document and it, it's as tangible as possible. And um, I started now having this habit of in the morning, first thing I do in the morning. So I, I did shut up the emails. I cannot reach my inbox before 12 o'clock, lunch. So before that, I start by listening to the Vision 2023. So the nine pages document, I I did record it in an audio note and I listened to that. Then I do some most important tasks of the day and then I go read emails and that has made a huge difference in terms of energy and the focus. So I'm thinking of so many situations where so we, we had this meeting, We have this outcome, how can we make it present the moment we'll need it? How can we embody it? How can we um, anchor it somewhere? So how do you do that? So, After the meeting you have reached some point of clarity. How can you ensure that clarity to still be there three days later or whenever it is needed?
1: You know, it's similar to, we've developed some techniques that we like to use when we're, um, when we're doing alignment on day one of a design sprint. And so often we'll just rely on some of those techniques where it's a lot of active listening. So when, once we've gotten to some form of clarity, um, then we start to, um, to, to have a discussion around that clarity where we're kind of documenting on the whiteboard, um, if I'm hearing people say slightly different things, I'm writing all these slightly different things down, it, it may not be totally cohesive, it might just be a word. Someone might throw out a word that I felt was, oh, that's different than what everyone else is saying. So I jot that down and just as it's coming, I'm trying to you know, visualize it on the whiteboard, um, almost like map out whatever this, whatever is kind of floating around folks' heads. And then, then we, at, at, at some point we start to, um, to explore these differences. And then, and then crystallize it down into a coherent message. So in a lot of ways it follows the open, explore, close um, dynamic um, introduced by um, Dave Gray. And um, once we have that, then we're, we're in a pretty good spot. Now that can be, we can build on that. We can think about like, okay, if we, if we have this message, we have this narrative, who are the different people that might need to hear this message and do we need to nuance it? Um, For instance, there might be customers and there might be partners. Um, There might be um, people um, that report to us, people that we report to. Um, It could be all sorts of different stakeholders or different, um, let's say, audiences that need to hear these different messages and, and what's gonna be important to them or what's gonna be important that we don't confuse them. They might need different context because they're they're thinking about or being concerned about different things. And so just getting really clear on that can be really helpful to think about how we all get hyper aligned. And you'd be surprised that even though you've gotten to this moment of clarity, you've gotten to this outcome, there's still some, con- some lack of um, uh, alignment around maybe how we plan to roll this out or who's gonna, um, who gets, uh, who's going to get this um, pitch deck that we just created or, or what's the very next meeting we need to set up, these kinds of things. And so some of it's like, um, you could say, well, those just sound like action items, but um, some of it uh, doesn't really surface until we start to really kind of craft this narrative together around what happened and, um, and what it means going forward. And, um, I often find it can be helpful just to think about, you know, narrative kind of storytelling frameworks, you know, like who, uh, what, where were we, what was happening, what sort of conflict developed and then how did we get to resolution on that conflict? And it can also be helpful to understand, um, talk about like where, where we maybe tried things that didn't work. So, um, so there's some reversal there then, um, the, any of these kind of plot techniques can can be helpful to think about how we how we tell the story um, through the organization around um, around what we're going to do and why we're going to do it and why some of these trade-offs were made um, and it helps and it can help us get really crisp on that language so that it can be reputable, succinct, and that builds resilience.
0: I was thinking, what do I do when I've reached a moment of clarity? And um... I observe that when I have clarity on something I usually go then very intuitively and create momentum around that. So for example I I send the concept to somebody who is relevant so that there is no going back or I buy that audiobook about that on Amazon because that's one of my smallest steps in going forward there. Or I, I, I schedule something in a calendar invite which is not only my calendar but also somebody else's calendar. So I go into actions that involve other people and that involve spending time or money or energy so that I cannot go back. Because in that moment of clarity it's easy to move forward but I know that two days later or even four hours later I will be in a complete different mode because there will be different decisions to take and different problems to solve. So my mind will be cluttered again and um, I will be in storms again and uh, fighting fires. I think of this moment of clarity of the moment I have to take action because otherwise it will be lost and I usually do it. So I'm really resonating with this when a team has a moment of clarity but they have to involve many stakeholders. So they have to hold that clarity without jumping into action because they are usually not allowed to take every decision, they have to discuss that decision and to win other people over in order to massively move forward. So what can they do to help this clarity stay, stay there and be, be reachable uh, when they need it?
1: That's right, and sometimes it's about um, planting seeds and sometimes it's about um, finding allies and bringing other people in so that uh, so that you have support. Uh, as you mentioned, um, sometimes they don't have, have the authority or the power to, to make the decisions or, or do the work. Or, or maybe there's others that, maybe they do have the power to make the decisions, but there's others that they need to rely on for various capabilities or tasks. And um, so I think all of this can be really helpful um, But if we want to build um, support throughout an organization for a cause, for a task, being very clear on why we're doing it and what we plan to to occur and make sure that language is really crisp and that we're, we're all aligned on it. So when we go out and we spread that narrative to build more support for our initiative, then, then we're, um, we're gonna be more resilient and more clear and consistent.
0: Thank you so much, Douglas. Thank you. For this third part of our interview. It was such a pleasure to have you here. It's good to be here. And yeah, hope to have you very soon on our show and have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Entrepreneurial freedom is awesome also a lot of hard work to get there. And when you are there, it's easy to lose your grip. Our community of 16,000 entrepreneurs is getting stronger and stronger every week because we amplify each other. We share what works and drop the rest. We test, refine, improve. Check strategysprints.com to build up your business and have fun doing it.